0: This episode of SHI's Innovation Heroes is brought to you by Ring Central.
1: Another challenge that I think a lot of uh, customers are, are having is just just the unknown, not really knowing the details like when are people going to be back? When do I need to be prepared for when this next thing happens?
2: Digital by default is difficult. It's scary. It's not something that everyone fully trusted.
0: Welcome to SHI's Innovation Heroes, a podcast exploring the people and businesses driving change in our drastically disrupted world. I'm your host, Peter Bean. A few months ago, SHI was getting ready to open the doors to an amazing new office in Austin, Texas, a project which we had dubbed the Garza Ranch. I'm a sucker for great architecture. And let me tell you, as far as corporate workplaces go, Garza was magnificent. Thousands of square feet of bright, colorful, and inviting nooks. Meeting areas and eating spaces and work pods. All graced by a gorgeous sweeping view of the surrounding landscape via these huge floor-to-ceiling windows and outdoor work areas. It's the kind of place you look at and go I want to work there. And then, and I am not kidding, on the exact same day as we were supposed to cut the ribbon on our brand new digs, the coronavirus lockdowns went into effect. New alarm bells ringing tonight on the coronavirus outbreak in this country. Doctors
1: say the virus is spread through droplets when someone coughs or sneezes.
0: I think the business community, it's in their
1: interest that people actually stay home and stop the spread.
0: While this story stands out for its bad timing, it's far from unique. Businesses across the world are dealing with a new normal. They are being forced to create a culture and find ways to collaborate outside of the typical office setting. Everyone has questions about what happens now, like is the office space dead? And if so, what's next? How will we grow a culture? How will we create value and beat the competition? If we can't get our best and brightest minds together in person so let's talk about it on the show with me this week are two dear friends who are intimately involved with this discussion from two very different points of view jared kaplan is the global head of technology at teneo an advisory firm that has counseled the leaders of many of the largest organizations in the world shi has been working closely with him over the last year or so on a major workplace and collaboration initiative. Sam Kennedy is the chief product evangelist at Poly, who's been researching the future of collaboration and visual communications for over 20 years. I can't wait to hear what they both have to say about the future, or perhaps the untimely death, of the office as we know it. Thank you for being on the podcast, Jared. Thanks for having me, Peter. And Sam, same to you as well. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So I want to start by asking you both a fairly lighthearted question. Is the traditional office dead for good? Why don't we start with you, Sam?
1: Oh, I don't think it's uh, dead. I think we're just in a little bit of a pause here, but uh, I-, I just think it's a matter of time till uh, there's a certain pretty large percentage of users are back in the office on a normal
0: basis. And Jared, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I I think, you know, very very similar to to Sam. I mean, obviously, temporarily, it's on hold. I don't think it's dead. I think, you know, kind of just looking at the landscape of where we're in, it's really what's the scale of your unified communications and telco strategy that has been the most tremendous and impressive way of how everyone can quickly join and, and be part of their office, right? So the question I keep going back to is not that is it dead, but how will we actually transition back to the office culture once we get back in? So we're so used to this did this, this crazy digital transformation, how is that going to work for me when I go back into the office, right? That hybrid approach.
0: What do you think is going to be the biggest change for those end users when they come back to the office?
2: You know, for me, it's how you've been using our technology to make your day-to-day work really well or scale it really well in the home. And will it have the same impact for you in the office? Or Are you going to go back to doing video conferencing, right? Do I need a camera at every desk, or are we going to be over-utilizing the video conferencing in the office?
1: I might add that I think that there's this concept of hybrid working. Now that most users are familiar with doing video, people are still going to be going to the office. I think video is here to stay.
2: In fact, just to jump in there, because I'm, I'm actually in the office today as we're just finalizing a lot of our construction here. I have two users that came in and Wanted to, they were a little upset because they were just using their laptop uh, webcam and they didn't realize that the team was actually here at the moment. They eventually did. But then when we got them set up with a, you know, with a brand new camera and they were on there, they were like, Oh, this feels like it. We're back at home. So, you know, to that point, I really do think that companies now are going to have to start adopting to both the home strategy as well as the office strategy. Right. And you're going to have to scale that.
0: Tell me how good you feel about the fact that you made these investments before it came in an emergency, and, and in hindsight, is there anything that you would have done differently with all the learning that, that you've had over the last little while? Yeah, I love that question. Um, I feel
2: great. I really do. It's something that I've been really focused on over the past year. I think we've asked every question, we've uncovered, You know, we've we've turned over every rock, we've dotted every I and crossed every T when it comes to what does a unified communication strategy mean in 2019? into 2023, 2024 at the, at the latest. And we've had a lot of conversations, you know, what exactly is a good strategy for a, for a business like mine that is hybrid in the sense already where we have a ton of people that are traveling and we have a bunch of people and a majority of people that are in the office. How could you make that experience work for both in late February, early March, you know, to be able to walk into a BCP conversation you know, at my firm and look everyone in the eyes and say, hey, from a technology point of view, we're 100% covered and kind of have a few of those snickers and kind of like, nah, like this is technology, right? Like technology doesn't always work. And then to prove, you know, second week of March, you know, March 16th, 17th, as telcos globally started to feel a struggle, the one thing at least that was 100% working was that strategy that we had around video, and cloud-based stuff.
0: The timing of that was nearly perfect. Sam, I want to get your input. Not all companies were in that position. What are some of the challenges that you see customers struggling with the most with the biggest companies in the world?
1: I think most companies were in some form of moving to digital transformation uh, on some level. But What I've noticed over the last few months is just the speed in which uh, decisions have had to be made and changes have ha- have had to be made i think customers had their roadmaps that went out for a few years but it was fast forward deployments significantly where it was i might not do something till the end of 2020 or into 2021 it was get it done by next week and so i think the speed of which things have had to happen was a real challenge for for a lot of customers and just keeping up um i think that uh, there was definitely some challenges for some customers that If they chose a platform that really wasn't working for them, how do you roll out a new platform or a new technology in the midst of all of this when your users are all over the place? Um, So, again, I think Jared was in a good spot where they've already embraced that digital transformation or uh, a few steps ahead. Uh, Another challenge that I think a lot of uh, customers are, are having is just... Just the unknown, not really knowing the details, like when are people going to be back? When do I need to be prepared for when this next thing next thing happens? Um, and so it's a real, just this unknown of what's going on out there is uh, I think a re- still still a real challenge for a lot of customers.
0: Hey there, Peter here with my first ever message from one of the amazing sponsors that helps make innovation heroes happen. I hope you're enjoying our discussion about the future of remote working in the workplace. And I promise I'm gonna get back into that action in just a second. But first, I wanted to talk about another side of the remote working landscape that needs a little bit more attention, your cloud PBX. You're going to need a cloud PBX solution like RingCentral. As will come as no shock to any IT leader who's been through it, a PBX shift is usually pretty complex, costly, and demands a lot of heavy lifting to get it set up and then to make sure it's working right. But RingCentral makes it all so much easier and simpler and more secure. And I think there's a big three reasons why. First, it has all the features you need from an enterprise class solution. Second, it has an extremely streamlined and powerful integration with Microsoft Teams. Last but not least, RingCentral has been recognized as a leader in the Gartner Magic Quadrant for the last five years running. SHI can help you make the right decision and find the best licensing and implementation plans for your needs. Simply visit shi.com slash ringcentral to learn more. I mean, the level of transformation around the world has been stunning. It's been incredible to watch and a little scary at the same time. Do you think we would have ever reached this level of digital by default in the workplace if COVID had never happened?
2: Digital by default is difficult. It's scary. It's not something that everyone fully trusted at the time, right? We've all, a lot of those folks, a lot of us and our colleagues have been in technology for 20 years, Um, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. It was a lot of throw things at the wall, a lot of promises of how things are going to work and tech just wasn't there. For the most of our normal users, our typical users, it was very difficult. You know, I'll take credit for putting the strategy in place early January. We're seeing, you know, over in 2019, seeing that the stars are finally starting to align. Those concentric circles of companies starting to work together uh, was starting to kind of align in a really exciting way. Uh, but the adoption of the digital transformation, you know, that's that was due to the pandemic.
1: I would add that I think the technologies themselves, The timing was was pretty right there as well, as uh, the the big unified communications as a service and video as a service players, their technologies have matured to a point now, where there really is infinite scale, right? The fact that everybody has, that these platforms have moved to the cloud over the last few years, we were ready for this. Again, I've been doing in in video uh, for over 20 years. If we were still stuck on prem, we couldn't have supported this. We couldn't have supported everybody, just this tens or hundreds of times growth. It just couldn't have gotten there. So the great thing is that the technology was really ready for when something like this happened. I just think that uh, COVID-19 was this forcing function and enabled the users to go, okay, I get this does work. I can do this. It's easy. This is easy enough. The quality is good enough. It is secure enough. So all of the things that needed to be there for those users to feel comfortable, feel safe, they were there. The great part is I think that the big players, their platforms were ready for this to happen.
0: I want to pivot to culture now. How are you continuing to onboard new employees, get creative, and get to know each other without a physical culture hub?
2: You know, really focused on our technology stack and what we have. This was starting in like February as we started to, you know, kind of see the storm coming. Um, And that puts us in a really good scalable way because if that technology can work for the business, then it should be good enough. It doesn't have to be the greatest because sometimes the greatest, you know, is where the, a lot of the confusion and the hard adoption comes into place. And so we really took that, that focus, um, on our, and we were, we were in a pretty good spot, but more importantly, and just a humble plug for, for you guys, we worked with SHI very closely to kind of change a few of those areas where it wasn't good enough. So you talk about onboarding. Our onboarding became a nightmare. All of a sudden, our laptop inventory of 20 that we had left, you know, that was at certain people's homes was now gone due to break fixes and and new people. So I think the one, the bigger one that I'm really proud of is partnering with SHI and working with your laptop imaging and mobile setup team and utilizing that now for all of our onboarding. So it's been, that's been great. And so, again, it's that approach of good enough tech and then where can we pivot and make our, and make our team even stronger.
0: That's awesome. Sam, what are you seeing in the field? I think
1: one of the things that Polly has done very well for a lot of the years is because we have such high quality video experiences, I'm on video so much that I get a lot of, it's, it's obviously not like being in the same room as someone, obviously, but um, I'm able to connect to a lot of people. And right now when I can't travel or can't be in front of, of people, the fact that I can see their eyes, the fact that I can see their body language, all of those things that we've been doing for and saying for years that that values video I mean, right now, it's just, more needed than it ever has. And so uh, all of these video meetings are really helping drive that uh, that socializing and get at least some of that social impact that I think we all need. One of the things that I've found is this drive towards informality. Um, in the past, you know, and I'd have to be on video in a suit, at least at the top, anything that's on video, I'd have to be in a suit because everybody on video is is on a suit. These days, Customers are coming in in T-shirts and shorts, and um it used to be that you were worried if your cat came into video or your kids came into video. With now, it's completely opposite. Now, I welcome when that happens. This drive towards informality has really helped, lower the barriers and helped me Take people out of this as we're working and it's all about business to get that um, understanding of what's happening with other people outside of work. And I think, again, it it just brings me closer. And so while it's not still not as good as being in the office, it's getting really, really close.
0: (laughs) The amount of of dogs I've had, the amount of dog videos, right? (laughs) Let's talk about that for a second. What I'm realizing is that the humanizing of business communications, the lower threshold, I think that's going to carry back into the real world. This experience has helped us shed the pretentiousness of professional communications and will bring a more natural and human level when this is all over.
2: The pandemic has normalized video conferencing. I think if you asked anybody, I, I would ask you, right, in your in your business, how many times you're trying to sell video conferencing equipment and you're doing a video call with someone like myself that I don't get on video. and because people are uncomfortable or they think it just looks strange and you don't realize that seeing another human being over video when I'm sitting in an office isolated is tremendous to the human spirit. And the fact that now it's been normalized and you're going back to kind of the adoption conversation, that was probably the hardest thing. Prior to Teneo. I worked at a company where it was video everywhere and it was, you know, we rolled out um a Teams platform, but nobody would use video. It wasn't normalized. It still was this. It was a digital revolution inside the firm, but video was a very uh, just something that nobody would talk about. It was very difficult, very very difficult, and it's exciting. So coming back to today, um, I mean the fact that it's normalized, the fact that everybody will go will be on video from the CEO down uh, is tremendous and tells you know a huge story right there.
0: What really stands out to me culture and the preservation of it, and what a monumental challenge that will be for companies and leaders going forward in this new, mostly digital world. I gathered Sam and Jared together for this episode to get both sides of this story, the the manufacturer and the customer side, and I think we should dig into what Jared thinks the market yet needs to provide to help with this digital transformation and what we're doing in the market to accomplish that. So a business like ours requires to be able to connect with different clients around the world,
2: obviously. So pre-COVID and even now post-COVID or, or while we're in COVID, uh, in this COVID world, my strategy has always been software agnostic. So I'm looking for a hardware. We're looking for hardware that will work with everything, right? That nirvana. You know, I'll take the big, I want to say the big three, but if I'm looking at Cisco, Microsoft, now Zoom and say Blue Jeans. Let's say let's take those four, which are widely popular. You know, a company like ours can't afford to say, if you want to talk to us, you have to talk to us through WebEx. And so I'm constantly looking for a way that if a new client tomorrow wants to use some new disruptor product that it can easily adopt into the tool, or I have the confidence that the company that I've now invested in with the technology, the hardware technology, is going to allow that onto their platform this idea that everybody can eat together, these concentric circles where you can still compete and make a great hardware product, but allow the software to just be open and available at the same time work
0: really nicely. Sam, I know you're dying to respond to that question.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, <laughs> it's just like, ah, uh, setting me up in a way. But I think Polly is completely dedicated. I mean, it is like in our DNA around interoperability and being able to leverage, uh, ultimately solve that for our customers. The company has very much pivoted the last few years of going and building out our own SIP and 323 platforms to fully embracing the big cloud players. Um, And so today... What we're doing is running their software on our platforms. And that's been a really big shift because what that enables is that smoothness that you're talking about, that consistency of experience. So it doesn't matter if you're leveraging Teams or Zoom or log me in, I can have that native experience.
0: One thing I was wondering was how businesses of different sizes and verticals are adapting to this situation in different ways. You know, we're all hearing lots of stories, but what I'm looking for here, I guess, is patterns. I want to start with you, Sam. Are you noticing any more patterns around, you know, agility, people being more nimble in your day-to-day travels?
1: In general, I think the small-medium business has a lot of the same questions, a lot of the same needs that a uh, large enterprise does. I think this discussion we were talking about around being interoperable and being able to connect to multiple platforms and and what we can solve with USB pass-through, that's pretty universal. We did a study maybe about a year ago that 84% of organizations of all sizes need the ability to connect to two or more platforms. I think it was like over 50% need to connect to five, right? So it's everybody needs to connect to everything. I find it quite interesting in talking. I spent a lot more time with a large enterprise, but I talk to customers all over the world of all varying sizes. And I'd say there's a lot more consistency now than there probably ever has been.
0: Yeah, I'm noticing the same thing. And And I hope that that will make it easier for the industry to respond to it, right? And, and actually provide those requested experiences that you know, the majority is looking for. Whereas in the past, I mean, you know this yourself, you'd go through nine calls in a day and you'd hear nine completely different stories, whereas now it's pretty much the same. I have one question left for each of you. Sam, with companies potentially saving a substantial amount of money on physical workplaces and workspaces, where would you advise they allocate their budget and why?
1: one thing that i think is important is just the devices as people are working from home as they're doing more video as they're being working from wherever they want to be working having the right device that aligns uh, for the right work style is just critical for for success there was a murti study that companies who provide a device to align with work styles are 62% more more likely for higher increased adoption so just driving the right devices for the right work style, I think, is is absolutely critical. There's another statistic, it takes an average of 23 minutes to get back on task if you've been distracted. So having a headset where I don't hear the noise. And the other thing I would mention on this is a focus around manageability and analytics because as there's more people are working from home You want to be able to have the tools that are going to help the help IT be successful in deploying them, managing them, understand where their errors. And so aligning with the right devices and aligning with the right strategy around manageability and analytics, I think those go hand in hand.
0: That is great advice. Now, Jared, you recently signed up for some significant new real estate in Manhattan. What's your plans for this space today versus when you you guys sign the lease?
2: Uh, not timely for sure. But in all seriousness, we we took a you know, we we started this venture in early January. So we were already kind of moving forward. So we've really just steamed forward with with that work. If you think back to March and the conversations that everybody was having, and now come forward to today's day in September, October time frame, the world has changed. I mean, the world changes, it seems now weekly. For us, our our focus on that space was Really, in the beginning, when this did start to happen, we did pause and we looked at from a capacity point of view, what can we handle? So for us, it was really capacity planning. And we looked at long and hard. We definitely did. We looked at you know immediate changes like automatic doors and thermal cameras and spacesuits, you know, anything and everything that you could think of to make that safe space. But really what it came down to for us was, you know, again, that that social distancing. How can we keep everyone socially distanced, but at the same time, feel comfortable to come back at a capacity that is allowed. Um and so for there we're looking at things like utilizing hardware and software that will allow our employees that voluntarily do want to come back to uh, to feel safe or covid safe. And so that's using things like you know we've signed up for Robin uh for their room and seat planning globally. Um and that allows people to book rooms they don't they can book rooms themselves. But yeah, it's uh it's something we think about all the time.
0: All right. I want to thank you both for being on the show. Um, Jared, thank you so much for being here and sharing your opinions. And Sam, as always, thank you for joining. Really appreciated and enjoyed the conversation. Thank you both. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. After speaking with Sam and Jared, I have to say I'm feeling excitement. Excitement for change. Change that's been needed for a long, long time. Change for the better. We covered a lot of ground, but two big ideas stood out to me. First, we found out that the office space probably isn't dead, but it's never going back to the way it was. And second, we saw just how heroic IT can be when the pressure is on. It's truly miraculous to see just how quickly and effectively companies like Teneo were able to make the shift. This is Definitely going to raise the bar for future digital transformation projects. We're all going to be expected to be a lot more agile now. Thank you for listening to Innovation Heroes, the podcast exploring the IT leaders transforming business and life in this incredibly unpredictable new world. Join us in two weeks where we'll be sitting down with Jaron Lanier, the father of virtual reality, recently featured on The Social Dilemma from Netflix. We'll be covering everything from how enterprise applications are changing to look and sound and feel like social media applications and what that means for all of us, all the way through to together mode and the origins of it and why and how it was created. We'll even talk a little bit about the Power Glove, something that I love a lot. You don't want to miss this episode. Join us in two weeks. If you like this episode and the show, please support us by leaving a five-star rating and a comment. Without you, our show wouldn't exist. This episode of Innovation Heroes was brought to you by Ring Central. Visit shi.com/ringcentral today to download your free white paper and learn more about RingCentral's powerful Teams integrations, including enterprise class PBX calling and security.